where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. So here's something that's going to sound so basic, but is so true. If it wasn't for Easter, we would have never heard of Jesus. Without Easter, Jesus would have barely been a note in the course of human history. He would have been one of thousands who were crucified by the Roman Empire. Thousands. His crucifixion would have been the end of the story. But that isn't what happened. There are different stories in Christian scriptures that share the news of Easter, of resurrection. And here's one from the Gospel of Luke. At the first signs of dawn, on the first day of the week, the women went to the tomb with the spices that they had prepared. They found the entrance stone rolled back, so they went in. And having entered, they couldn't find the body of Jesus. They were puzzled, and they wondered what to make of this. Then, out of nowhere, it seemed, two men in dazzling light were there standing with them. And they said, well, actually, before they said anything, the women reacted. They were a combination of awestruck and frightened. They looked away, and they cast their eyes down to the ground. And the two men said, why are you looking for the living one in a cemetery? He's not here. He's risen. Don't you remember what he told you in Galilee? That he was going to be betrayed? That he would be handed over to sinners? That he would be crucified? And then in three days he would rise again? And they did remember that Jesus had said that. And they turned their backs to the tomb and they went and told all the apostles and the others who were with them. But the apostles didn't believe the women. They thought that surely they were imagining this or that they had made it up. But Peter, Peter jumped to his feet and ran to the tomb. And he stooped down and he looked in and all he saw were some burial garments. Peter walked away puzzled and wondered what happened. If you're puzzled and unsure what to make of this story, you're in good company. Initially, the women were puzzled and unsure. Peter walked away puzzled and unsure. The apostles just flat out didn't believe it. After all they'd been through, perhaps the apostles were just nonplussed. 
Maybe they were surprised and confused so much that they didn't know how to react. They were emotionally drained and bounced around with a contrast between the shouting and hopefulness of Palm Sunday and then the terror and sorrow of the arrest and crucifixion. These are huge emotional swings. At this point in our service today, you've already heard many times the proclamation that Christ is risen, that Jesus lives. And it's normal to wonder how to receive this message, or maybe you've heard it so many times you don't even think about it. Is it historically factual? Is it more like a deep truth that is more than factual? Each of the four Gospels tell a different version of the story. What's that about? Scholars Marcus Borg and John Dominic Crossan encourage us to leave the questions open. And there are other questions to add, the ones that I've posed. But leave them open. And they even take it a step further and say, believe what you want about whether the story or stories happened this way. Let's talk about what the stories mean. In other words, let's talk about why we're still talking about the story. My friend Mitch was a minister in Connecticut. And I remember going to his church one Sunday. It was a beautiful day. The sky was blue, the flowers had bloomed, the birds were chirping. It was packed to the gills. The space inside was beautiful. Music was streaming out the door. It was a small little place. Music streamed out the door as you walked in. Everybody was dressed in their finest. And there was like this anticipation. And Mitch got up and he said, people around the world, thousands and thousands of people have waited for this day. And he reached into a paper bag and he pulled out a Yankee cap and he put it on his head. Easter and opening day coincided that year. And like you, we laughed. And then he lifted up his foot and he had red socks on. Because you know, we were in Yankee Red Sox country. And we laughed again. And there is something about baseball and opening day that's very hopeful, isn't it? This might be the year. I still pray for Mets fans. Gosh, they are the heartbreak team, aren't they? I know the Rockies have it rough. And we're just getting in sync with that. But there's something very hopeful about opening day. But that season comes to an end. And in the end, it's really a game. And Easter's not a game. And it doesn't come to an end. The Easter story speaks to our spirit's longing for hope, for purpose, and for life itself. 
Esau Macaulay, who is a New Testament professor, wrote an, on, an opinion piece for the New York Times, noting that the women did not go to the tomb looking for hope. They were searching for a place to grieve. They had spent time preparing to make that journey for that burial ritual that includes spices and ointment after the burial. The women were together in despair. And maybe the puzzling prospect of Easter is that these women and Peter encountered something that they had heard but forgotten along the way. That the power of God does not end in death. That there is something stronger than death and despair that connects us. Professor Macaulay goes on to say that there is a terrifying aspect of Easter in that the women and the apostles all must return to the same world that crucified Jesus with a very dangerous gift, the gift of hope in the power of God. The unending reservoir of forgiveness and an abundance of love You wouldn't think those things are dangerous, but they did get Jesus killed, didn't they? And others. This gift of hope in the power of God, of the unending reservoir of forgiveness and an abundance of love sometimes makes people seem like fools. But upon remembering, the women turned their back on the tomb and went and told. I love that image and that language. Turning your back on the tomb is the same as Jesus' silence in the face of his accusers. It shows contempt in all the right ways. And it speaks of a different power. Peter walked away. Now he was still puzzled and wondering, but he walked away, which means that he walked towards something as well. If you haven't seen or heard the meaning of Easter, maybe you haven't been looking in the right place. Maybe the words of God's messengers need to be repeated. Why are you looking for the living one in a cemetery? So where do we look? In other words, where is the gift of hope and the power of God present? Well, let's remember together just some of the places where Jesus is alive. Friends, in the lives and actions where mercy is demonstrated, where please help and please stop is heard. Jesus lives. And in the places where people speak and hear the truth, when it is hard and when it is liberating, Jesus lives. Jesus lives too in the places where joy breaks out, 
where laughter and singing and dancing are spontaneous and where we allow ourselves to be rejuvenated. Jesus lives in those who believe, in those who give their heart to the greater good, their heart, their lives, their very selves. And Jesus lives in those who are able to change course, those who may have forgotten, who are able to remember, those who are able to recalculate and set priorities in accordance to God's ways and God's love. And Jesus lives when people show up with hope, when they proclaim the good news in all the ways that it can and does and needs to be proclaimed. Our scripture story also tells us that the disciples were walking on the road and the risen Jesus joined them, but they didn't recognize him. And they invited him to come to their house. And when they sat down at the table and Jesus took the bread and broke it, their eyes were opened and they recognized him in the breaking of the bread. Where do you recognize the living Christ, the one who is alive? Where does Jesus live? Let's turn now to the Etstrom family who is going to move us into a time of communion. Jesus said, as often as you eat or drink, do this in remembrance of me. Every table can be Jesus's table. When we make space for others and eat together in love, we remember Jesus. Remember how he ate with the poor and the rich. The sinners and the saints. The women and the men. The children and the adults. The weak and the strong. Wherever you are today, however you come to the table, Jesus makes room for all of us. You don't have to look a certain way. Or believe a certain thing. Just come. Let us pray. Holy One, we remember that Jesus came to teach us how to love. That he promised that death wouldn't be the end. That he appeared to his disciples and to strangers. And that they knew him in the breaking of the bread. And even though we're apart, we're nowhere together in this mystery. Amen. Amen. They knew him in the breaking of the bread because they remembered all the times that he had broken bread before. The times of joy and the times of sadness. And perhaps in that moment of seeing him in a new way, they especially remembered the last time when he had gathered together with his disciples, with his friends, and he had taken the bread and broken it and said, this is my body given for you. Each time you eat and break bread together, do it in remembrance of me. Jesus also took the cup and he said, this cup 
is my blood poured out for you. Just as my life was poured out for you, so too this cup. Whenever you gather together, share this cup, drink from this cup, and remember me. And now, in remembrance of Jesus, we invite you to eat this bread and drink this cup, that the one who lives may be alive within you. <laughs>